You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Mike Chappell, the return of Mike Chappell after spending all me? last week at the Combine. Yeah, we did. A but fun you care, time but you for on. We did. Joe and I uh, plotted through. Joe Hopkins here on the board as well. But uh, Mike, a, uh, another Combine experience in the past. And I, I know you've been around here in Indy uh, since, of course, the Colts came here. And so you've been around here for quite a bit of the Combine. And boy, that thing has just turned into a monster, hasn't it? It's the second largest media credential event NFL puts on behind one of the Super Bowls. It's like 1,400, 1,500 credentials. And it's gotten to be where, we've talked about this, to where they've, they're maximizing the exposure. This is a lot of time where beat writers from all across the country, it's their first chance to talk to their head coach and their GM. Mm-hmm. Like we had almost every head coach, probably except for maybe Belichick. I don't, I don't know whether Sean Payton talked or not. But this is where you get these guys. And this is where you get caught up on what they're doing, what they want to do. And then, by the way, you've got 337 players. It's really amazing how the NFL can market and maximize an event that's that started out and still is about teams evaluating players, medicals and, and, and you know, and, and the psychological testing. And, oh, by the way, we can parade these guys out there now in prime time as they did with the uh, with the workouts, and we'll see. You know, it's at least here next year, maybe 2022, and then we'll see. We'll get to more combine breakdown and analysis and takeaways in a little bit, but first we'll start with the news of the week. And it appears to be a significant week in the AFC South because uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars are not exactly building upon their roster. It looks like they are tearing apart a roster to then build something in the future. Right now, the Jaguars have agreed in principle to a trade uh, cornerback A.J. Boye to the Broncos for a fourth-round pick. That, according to multiple reports, I don't think that can become official. Um, until the until, 18th. Right, until the new league year. So that's why it's just a report of this trade. Um, reports are they're trying to get rid of Nick Foles. And, heck, I don't even need a report. I can tell you Yannick Ngakwe doesn't want to play for them anymore because he tweeted he, it out himself. You always say, well, what, what was your source? Well, it's him. Yeah, exactly. That's it, my source. It, it's like every other day it's free, you know, going somewhere else. And it's I was talking to a, ja- a Jaguars employee at the Combine, and he said, because I've always, I've always referred to their roster as dysfunctional. And he said, without question, he said, they're, they're getting rid of all of these guys. You know, Jalen Ramsey. Uh, boy, I don't know if the Boye was it was a disruptive force, but when you when a player tells you he doesn't want to be there, you, you, apparently what's going to happen it seems like is you franchise tag him and then you trade him with Ngakwe. Correct, right? And that's going to be a trade. He's going to get. He's going to want I don't twenty twenty two million dollars a year, a good amount, and he'll deserve it based on what he's done in his career so far. But, but the one thing that the Jacksonville guy warned me, he said, "Go back and look at his stats. Maybe Joe can pull up his his, his stats." He said the perception is this guy is getting 13, 14 sacks a year, and he's not. He's getting eight, nine. I think he had 10 a couple of years ago. So is, I think half of those were against the Colts a couple of years ago. Correct. Played four years, lowest sack total is eight. Um, he cracked double digits once with 12 in 2017. That's pretty consistent, at but, least. But, but, and, 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 but what he's got going for him, is he 25, 26? Yeah, he's 24. He'll turn 25 at the end of the month. So, again, it's not like he's going to be out there on, on the market. But when you have a a young pass rusher available, it is so rare. Uh, they will find a dance partner. I don't think it will be in the AFC South. I just, I just, why would you do that? And then you mentioned uh, Nick Foles. The problem with that is he's going to leave behind. A, is it like thirty million, thirty three million dollars in dead money? Mm-hmm. And I don't care how the cap goes up. That's that's a chunk, <laughs> right? And I tell you, if, if if it wasn't in the division, I, I would have the Colts seriously consider mm-hmm. Nick Foles just because. I mean, the history w- with Frank and the success. I don't think that's what they would do, and certainly, I don't think that the Jaguars would 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 want inter- to be, make the Colts their dancing partner. There, right? That that just doesn't make much sense. So, but this this is the time in the, for the next two weeks, two and a half weeks, you know, leading up to free agency, we're going to hear so much. And we're going to hear so much of the Colts being interested because, as we've talked about, they've got the cap space. They've got an owner that will pay for it. So any agent will be doing his job if he finds a link to the Colts. And we'll see that. 
And, and you mentioned the Colts could possibly be interested in Yannick, and, and I'm on the same boat as you. For the Jaguars to trade him in the division, they would have to be desperate to do so. And I think Ngakwe is going to generate some interest around the league because he is young, because he has. It only takes two teams exactly. to really drive the price up. That's it. And so if there's one other team that is even in the, in the same vicinity as what the Colts might potentially offer— and that team is outside of the AFC South. They're they're not going to entertain a Colts offer in that situation unless they're idiots. Well, and this and this wouldn't be so, the Jaguars. And this wouldn't be so much what you give up draft pick wise. I don't think because mm-hmm. I, I I and again maybe Joe would have a better idea what it would take to get him up two or three. I don't know. Yeah, somewhere Boye, around there. They got they got a four for Boye. It depends on how many other teams get involved. Really, if there's only one other team willing to trade for him, it might be as low as a fourth but you'd have to think several teams would want because you are going to dump it you 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 want rid of him yeah so it but but that that's what that's where we're at it's funny and the more you read now if i'm chris ballard i'm a little bit upset because everybody had the colts in line for tom brady and now he's going to tennessee apparently right so it's san francisco well yeah it's it's, so (laughs) so i mean the colts are gonna say wait a minute we thought i thought we were at the head of the line and the philip rivers and now i saw there's we'll talk about it later with uh you know that uh, ESPN might want to pursue Philip Rivers for the for the booth and all this. So, th- this is the time that w- when when there's no news to be made, we will find a way to make news, and that's what the media is going to do. It's going to be it, it's going to be speculation, and what you have to caution yourself is who is the source of of what's being said, or is there a source to the story that's being reported, or is it just like we were talking at the combine last week? Where, where the Philip Rivers stuff, a couple of the national writers, well, the talk at the combine is. Well, is that talk between me and Stephen Holder or me and someone else in the local media or, uh, about maybe the, the Colts? So you have to really be careful. There is nobody, zero people in the Colts organization feeding speculation about Philip Rivers. I, don't, I wouldn't believe that for a second. Because they wouldn't do that, Mike. Mike, I can't tell you how happy I am to hear you go on a mini rant here. Because Joe will, Joe will remember from from last week the rant that I went on about some ridiculous report that I saw that uh, was just it was it was just a baseless report saying the Colts could possibly potentially maybe be interested in this one. Like, of course they could possibly and, and, potentially. And, and that was a national person. It was. I, I'm not going to mention yes. their name. I, I I mentioned the name last week, so you can go ahead and listen to last week's Colts Blue Zone podcast if you want to. But it was check like that out. you know. And there, there, you know, there's talk of an asteroid hitting the, hitting the, the exactly. country. Exactly, there is in like April. I saw that report. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm going to not pay my bills up until that day, just Sounds in case. Good to me. Yeah. Sounds so, good. but but that's that's what you have to look out for. There are so many high profile, and again, I, I've never questioned someone who says sources told me. Okay, as long as that person trusts their source, and I know that this isn't just guy just throw stuff on the wall. And there are guys out there that just throw stuff on the wall Mm -hmm. and there's no accountability there is none but now this this is the time this the next two weeks and then leading up to the draft where people we use the word untruth they lie they just flat lie because misinformation is good for teams and especially for agents so great for agents and, and again like i say with the colts when, when when the Colts have all this cap space, one hundred and twenty some million, including rollover money, and an owner that just wants to spend, he just does. Uh, you're going to have the Colts linked to a lot of players. I understand that, and maybe I've written about it. I might write about it again. Is until Chris Ballard shows me that he is going to steer in a different direction. In roster building, I'm going to believe to where he says you cannot buy a locker room and you cannot buy a championship. More news of the week. Mike, you had mentioned the uh, possibility that ESPN could be interested in Philip Rivers for the... Could maybe possibly. Could maybe possibly. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You you like that? That was on purpose. I was hoping that somebody would call me out on that. But there is actually more of a slightly more concrete report from the New York Post that ESPN Intends now that Tony Romo is off the market and CBS has uh, locked him up mil. for quite a bit, a chunk of change there. Um, is that your neighborhood? Yeah, exactly. Mil? Yes. Yes. Uh, that that's that's the type of uh, pockets that that I have. My pockets run deep. Um, ESPN hopes for Monday Night Football 
Their intent is to trade somehow with NBC for Al Michaels, which has been done before for announcers between networks. So that's not completely out of the picture. But ESPN's dream pairing would be to put Al Michaels in the booth with none other than Colts legend Peyton Manning. Now, as we were talking about before uh, we hit play on this podcast, Mike, networks have wanted Peyton Manning in the booth since he retired. So this is nothing new. But nevertheless, it is at least a report that ESPN will looks like they'll try at least try to pursue Peyton Manning and see if he uh, has any interest in coming back and maybe maybe one upping Tony Romo for uh, most uh, pre-snap predictions perhaps next year in terms of what happens uh, there in a, in a football game. And he might one up him on seventeen million. Yeah, they could do that. I too. mean, if you're going to get Peyton Manning, it's one of those. What will it take? Peyton? Yep. And I've always thought that this is not an avenue that Peyton would pursue. Uh, I think he wants to get back in it. We saw that for that great uh, the Peyton Places series he did. Yep. But that's different. That, that's totally different from from broadcasting. He was able to really put his personality and energy into something. But I just don't know that I see him in a booth every week. I, I, I maybe I'm wrong, but if ever there's going to be th- th- this would be the great possibility. You know, I, I can't imagine what a trade would be. Would you throw in a, like a weather person? I mean, I, I don't know yeah, how right. a player to be named later. I don't know how that works. And we'll give you Ginger Z alongside. <laughs> so, but I tell you, it will be it, it will be a great situation. And, and I seldom tune in or not tune in because of announcers. I I, I, I have turned down the volume on Booger and Tessator at, at times, but I would at least initially tune tune in to Peyton Manning. I, I think it, first there'd be the 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 novelty factor in, in how he would do it, but don't you think he would just knock it out of the park? I, I imagine he would. I, I can't imagine him being anything but great in that scenario, and very similar to the to what Romo is. I think Romo he has a different personality. He's a bit more excitable and uh, and, and all that. But Peyton, I think he would be meticulous, obviously, in his preparation. As he always was, as he a would player. put that he would put the humor in there that, yes. that he's got. Yes, you know what I'd love to see? I'd love to see Peyton and Eli in the booth at least once, just to see both of them, see how they both played off each other. Because I always enjoyed the commercials that they did with one the another. The wet willies. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you'd have to have like a camera in the booth at all times, <laughs> like put it in the bottom corner or something. Did you see the report that Eli Manning's having dinner with the Chicago Bears? Really? <laughs> yeah. Jeez. So no, we'll s- stop. <laughs> just, just get no, out. Peyton, Peyton would legitimately go out there every week and like. Prepare for the defenses as if he would play. He would like mm-hmm. see the blitzes coming, call them out. The offense would have to listen to the broadcast. Yeah, to right. See what Peyton's got going yeah, on up yeah. there. I've always seen him more though, wanting to get back as a, as a GM type right. of thing. Mm-hmm. It's what they've always floated the idea of a, of a part ownership of a team, the Colts or Tennessee or I think somebody even threw the Saints in there. But I, I we've not seen the last of Peyton Manning on a forum now. Whether that's it or not. Uh, he he does still have the the young kids, so I, I think that's very much in his mind too, wanting to stay, you know, close to them. But at some point, we're going to see Peyton Manning back in, in, in on on a larger stage than what he's done so far. Well, if ESPN gets their wish, it'll be sooner rather than later. But um, I, I'd say I would have to put the chances for that uh, more more slim, uh, closer too. to none than uh, than possibility. Agreed. Um, one more piece of news for the week before we move on to our NFL Combine takeaways, and that is former Colt Mike Adams announced his retirement on NFL Network's Good Morning Football this week. 16 seasons in the NFL for Pops, went undrafted in 2004 out of the University of Delaware, go Blue Hens, played for six teams in his 16 seasons, San Francisco, Cleveland, Denver, Indianapolis, Carolina, and Houston. And undoubtedly, his two best years came here with the Colts. When did he he sign here? Was it 14 or 15? I think it was 14 because it was 2014 and 2015 is when he made the Pro Bowl. Okay, his first two years, he he was Pro Bowl. Yeah, and and he was was great those years. You know, they sometimes say that uh, turnovers happen in bunches. It seems like the ball just finds you when it keeps coming to you, and that's what happened to him for like a two-year stretch. Yeah, five interceptions. He he led the league in in takeaways. He did. One year, maybe the first year. Yeah, I think it was. Both those years, he had five picks. Yeah. So uh, he he was he was a great player. He I think he, if he had come to Indianapolis earlier, he wouldn't have been with six teams. He would have and if you right. played like to that level, that would have been a guy that they re-sign and want to make a cornerstone of your defense for a long time. But 
The fact was he was just getting old at that time, and uh, the Colts were trying to get young at the time. And he still went on. He played for Carolina and Houston a little bit after Indianapolis and still had some good performances and good years and good uh, contributions to those teams and those locker rooms. But uh, once again, if the Colts, as Chris Ballard kind of indicated in his postseason press conference, that maybe didn't have the veteran presence in the locker rooms on defense that they needed at times this past year. That, that's exactly what Adams was. And he was more than that, too. He was a very good player. And from the media standpoint, it's a great quote. Oh, yeah, fantastic. He, sometimes he got a little full of himself, which is fine. But, you're but, allowed to. But, but he, if he, you're he really gave you insightful things. One thing that, that, and this isn't to diminish what he did here at all, but if, if I come up with like the 10 best free agent signings since 2012, I couldn't list him because I always consider the free agent signings the guys you signed within a, a month of free agency. Right. You know, the Jabal Sherrods and Eric Waldens and, and people like that. Mike Adams was an afterthought. He was a May signing, wasn't he? Or no, it was a June, June signing. signing. Okay, it, geez, it, was like a, it was a day before Veterans Minicamp, and Veterans Minicamp was the last function before the season, before the offseason was over. Right. They were having safeties drop right. They had. Uh, and I'm going to mess up. Delano Howell, I think it was, had a, had a neck injury. He ended up not playing again. So they were basically looking for bodies to play safety. And it was, again, it was mid-June. And so so for for, the, for anyone in the Colts to say, yeah, we knew what we were getting. No, you, you, got, you got a body off the street. Mm-hmm. But look what you got. And as far as off-season acquisitions, he will go down as one of the best they've had because no one saw what he was going to bring. And he like like Joe said, he was at five interceptions in his first two years, Pro Bowls, and he was a great ambassador and a great pickup. And and again, what a great career! He's one of those guys you say he played how many years? Yeah, right. I mean, and he he did what? And you just want to t- kind of tip your hat to him. And I tell you, when we talk about Peyton Manning in, in that broadcast booth, there should be a place for Mike Adams somewhere. With the networks, because he's quality. Great personality, very good on camera. So, yeah, I, I agree. Wh- wherever he ends up, there, there should be a, a post-football career in the media for Mike Adams. So we here at uh, Fox 59 CBS4 and Colts Blue Zone Podcast certainly wish him well into the future. Let's move on to our NFL Combine talk. Joe, of course, uh, headlining and uh, being the, uh, the, main, the main contributor to our Combine breakdown. He, he's like my granddaughter after she's after she's on a sugar high <laughs> after the combine they're always bouncing off the walls that's joe joe yeah, pretty much. yeah so so after after watching all that you did um and reading everything you have and writing everything you have on fox 59 cbs4 from the combine what are some of your biggest takeaways from uh the impact that uh, this this event had in Indianapolis, and for the Colts in particular, uh, some uh, things that maybe they're thinking about coming out of these workouts and these uh, just days to get to know all these uh, new prospects. I think um, a few of the biggest thing that will impact the Colts is wide receivers showed up like we thought they would. I mean, there there was a few guys, and I'll get into the names a little later, that kind of their stock is rising after what they did at the combine but another thing is offensive tackle the the big four Jedrick Wills from Alabama Tristan Wirfs from Iowa Makai Becton from Louisville and Andrew Thomas from Georgia they all showed up and they all dominated both you know measurements they had the size you're looking for they looked good in the drills and the what workouts. Becton run a five 5.11518 was it I think it was a 510 official 510 okay and, and he's three six Three sixty-five, about. That's just that's just yeah, six seven, dangerous. Um, thirty-six inch arms. So he's a freakishly large human being who can move at a freakish rate. So, so we're saying maybe Anthony Costanzo should have retired, and the Colts could maybe take one of these four guys that seem to be franchise left tackles, perhaps. Well, and you know, even with Costanzo back, the talent of the offensive tackle and need at the position for quality blockers, these guys are going to go high. I mean, there's a chance all four could go before the Colts pick at 13, and that's going to push quality players down to Indianapolis who, you know what, they might think offensive tackle, but if they do this draft, it'll be in the mid to later rounds. Third round, I I, I agree. Third round is an offensive tackle round round, maybe. At highest, maybe their second, second round pick, just because the quality guys go early. But yeah, that, that that's probably what I'm thinking there. You point out with with these tackles, with the way that they performed, that 
they could be rising up draft boards and maybe even go before 13. We've talked that quarterbacks always, there's a run near the top of the board. There's almost certainly three quarterbacks will go for the Colts before the Colts. Like, and, I, and I think four. And, and Ch- Mike Chappell thinks four. A lot of other people, many other mock drafts say four go before the Colts. I mean, geez, if you have four tackles and four quarterbacks go before the Colts, that's, that's eight. Exactly. I mean, I, that's I, I, eight I, of the 12. So you're going to get a pretty darn good player down there at 13 if indeed that is the case. But. Yeah. And if they don't want one of those quarterbacks and have to trade up themselves. Right. So, you know, the either way the Colts are looking at it, if they have to trade up, they have the capital to do so. If they don't, they're going to have a good quality player fall to them. Um, another thing I noticed, you know, with this being the first year of the combine moving to prime time, it's been a little different and several players did not participate at all. Um, you know, some had to do with injuries, some had to do with the LSU and Clemson players still recovering from their longer seasons. But then some, you know, hardly any DBs ran the three cone. There was a lot of players who would do like one or two drills And some of the complaints I heard is that players did a lot of standing around and waiting, and it was hard for guys to stay warmed up, stay loose. And so you saw some guys kind of disappoint with their times, and you saw some other guys say, no thanks, I'll I'll work out at my pro day. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, maybe that'll get better as agents and players learn how to do the new schedule in the future. But I just thought that was something interesting when you're looking at these combine numbers and you go, huh, not a lot of players did this drill. I found that to be weird because, I mean, in the NFL and in college football, heck, you have night games that you have to be ready for at night instead of at 12 noon. You have series where you go out and you're out there for three plays and then the offense goes out, puts a 12-play drive on, and then you have to get back on the field and, and, and perform. So I just – I just like I, I – I'm right there with you, and I understand that that's kind of what happened, and that's the story coming out of it from the agents and players' perspective. But I just don't, I just don't agree with their reasoning. It doesn't make any sense to me. When I talked to Jeff Foster, he said that one of the, he 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 wasn't totally in favor of going prime time because it totally messes up everything, every every other part of the schedule. Yeah, but he said that one thing with going with the workouts later from four o'clock on, this was more like a game situation. Where you play four o'clock starts, you have seven o'clock starts, so you're used to your day being assigned to where. Come the evening, that's when you're working out. Right. So I would need to see with what Joe says. I need to see how many. You know, how does this year's no shows or, or non participants compare to last year, the year before? Because there, there was a stretch, maybe not so much the last few years, where, where players weren't, weren't running the forty because the, the, the reputation that the dome had a was a slow turf, was a slow track, which wasn't the case because there were some great times. So I, I think, again, in my mind, that the on-field workouts can sort of be overhyped. The, the primary, the overriding primary objective, goal, priority of, of the combine are medicals. It just is. They, they want to know what you've had, what you've got, you know. And, and then I think the second are – the, the psychological and the interviews, the, the, the teams want to meet with you. I, I think this, it, it's. I think if you allow the on-field things to to really sway your 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 view, then then what are you looking for? Because I'm sure there, there's there's tons of examples of guys who were the so-called workout warriors. Mike Mamula. Oh, that's that's been that's been a long time. <laughs> exactly. But, but even since then. That's that's before Joe's Joe's day. Correct. Uh-huh. And yeah. I did, remember it cuz I grew up in Philly. And, and he did and, and he 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 blew it off the charts. Yeah. Uh but who who who's got the all-time fastest John Ross, for, right? The all-time fastest and, and he, 40 for the Bengals. Has really he merged with the Bengals? He's just sort of been yeah. a guy. Just he's a guy. flashed, just but yeah, he's a guy. guy. Is that three or four years into the league now? Maybe yeah, two or three. A lot three. of injuries. First, yeah, yeah. He, was he, wasn't he a first round pick though? He was like ninth overall. The yeah. Bengals reached. Darius Haywood him. Bay. Haywood. <laughs> Bay. I mean, oh, speed, yes, speed. You, you know, speed. Okay. Well, Bob Al Hayes Davis. was. You know, yes, so. So uh, I, I just I, I I need to have somebody, and somebody will. Is how did this year's non participants, whatever the drills, compare? Sometimes I I I do think that there's excuses made. Now, if there's an injury, if you got a hamstring or whatever, you don't, you, don't do it. You don't, then don't need do to. it. You, you get your pro day. Yeah. And, and everybody, as much as teams hate it, you know, we were just at the combine. You didn't do this. All, I, guess, I guess we have to go to your pro day. They all go to the pro day. Yep. You just do. So uh, I, I just I need to see someone say, well, you know, last year we had this number of guys who didn't do the three cone or whatever. 
apparently a lot of guys were, were, were blowing off the bench press as well. So I, I need to see how this year compares to previous years. I'm guessing there won't be much of a difference. I, I, I'm just guessing. But uh, this is where one thing GMs and coaches do take take note of is if you don't. And because they want guys who are competitors. Now, this is more of a just a pure football thing. They want guys, they want a competitor, and you're willing to put yourself out there every time. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes it's not, it doesn't behoove you to do that, but I need to see the comparison to years past. I was going to say, I don't think it's going to impact Chase Young's draft stock no. that he didn't uh, didn't participate in uh, in some of these combine workouts. No, here. not at all. And, you know, when you say things like this, it's mainly, you know, when you go back and try and compare player profiles to past players, there's some data missing because guys haven't worked out in some of these But Nelson things. didn't work out. Right. Yeah, he didn't do – He didn't. Do, I know he did the bench press. He didn't do a few workouts. He so. didn't do the 40. I think he only had a hamstring because I, I was checking with – I, I texted Chris Ballard because when uh, the offensive tackle, Beckton, yeah, had the 5-1, whatever it was, I said, how does that compare? How would that have compared to Quentin Nelson? Well, Quentin didn't run the 40. He didn't run Notre Dame's pro day either. So for the most part, the Colts don't know. Hmm. Which, you know, say, oh, fast enough. You know, fast he, enough to be a guard in the NFL. Yes. A, a two-time first-team all-pro guard. Exactly. So uh, I, I just sometimes uh, – who, who, what was the story the first day? Was it Joe Burrow, hand size? Oh, yeah, the, the nine-inch. Nine nine-inch hand size? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, we, it's funny. We joke with Frank Reich. We said – because he, he, he had a great story about his combine experience in 80, 85. And he went out to Arizona because they had the, the combine were in th- was in three different places. And he said he just showed up and threw one day. And then he went to Maryland's awards banquet that night. And he said it was very casual. When we asked him what his hand size was. He said they didn't take that. <laughs> there were a lot of things they didn't measure. But it's changed. Uh, I just I don't get too hung up on guys blowing off the charts. Now, if a guy comes in and just does terrible, I think that's a major red flag about why you – you see some offensive linemen have – very, very small number of bench presses. Well, that tells you something. I mean, that's mm-hmm. strength should be one of the things an offensive lineman has. Right. If you get beat by half the running backs in the field, then there's there that's a red flag. It's always you're always one of the things to talk to. We were talking up before we went on the air about the punter. What was a bench press? It was some ridiculous number. I, I want to say 35, which still sounds in my head too many. Maybe hmm. it's maybe it's 25, but either way, that's a story for a while. But. Uh, I don't. I understand the preoccupation with the numbers, but I don't. I try not to put too much stock in it unless, because I've seen too many great workouts wind up being a guy who really wasn't a very good player. Yeah, the, the combine is more so to confirm or correct what you have on tape. It'd be like this guy looks fast on tape. He tests fast. We know he's fast. But if he, you know, he looks fast on tape, doesn't test as well. You go, okay, maybe I need to look at it again. Right. Who was he playing against? It's more of. Just rechecking your work there. Obviously, the tape is the bulk of the evaluation, but the combine's a good chance, especially with some of the smaller school players, where you go, "Is he as fast because he's playing against you know lower competition than these guys in the SEC?" It's a good chance to really uh, quantify some of their talents. How about Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin, by the way, doing a sub four four forty like that? That guy, if he doesn't go in the first round, I know you hate running backs, Joe. But, <laughs> but 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 even you have to admit that Jonathan Taylor got to be somewhere near the end of that first round. But, but I think the Titans, if but they don't. Th- but then isn't yeah. the knock on him that he's had a zillion carries at yes, Wisconsin? But I mean, if you're if you want a running back to just run him into the ground for three or four years anyway, and then not and sign are, him after your rookie deal, then then do that. And there are teams that do that. Yeah. So I I I love Jonathan Taylor, man. I think he's a stud. Yeah, him and Swift are kind of the one two. Yep. Swift out of Georgia for the top running backs. Um, I would talk more about running backs, but the Colts don't necessarily need one this year. So looking at some of the positions that the Colts do need, some guys who helped out their draft stock at the Combine. Uh, quarterback Jalen Hurts is kind of moving up into that fifth quarterback spot, kind of passing Jacob Eason from Washington, who was kind of the guy people talked about before. Hurts, he's got the athleticism. He ran, what was it, five four five nine at the Combine. So He's kind of the new breed of NFL quarterback where he can run. He He's a playmaker. I mean, he has all the intangibles you look for, the way he handled the Alabama situation from, you know, being benched in the championship, goes to Oklahoma, improves as a passer, 
looks really good at the combine. He, just continuing to work as a passer is where he needs to get better. But he's a guy who maybe in the second round a team takes a chance on him and goes, you know what, at worst we have a real quality backup quarterback who could maybe develop into a starter. Um, he's a guy who the Colts maybe at 44 think about if they don't want to spend I've seen some pick. teams tar- have the Colts targeting, is it from? At 34. Yeah, I would argue against that. Well, <laughs> but, but, but that, that's, yeah, I, that's where I can see the Colts looking for that quarterback mm-hmm. in round two at 34. Yep. At 40, again, the further you go back, you're just getting a lesser player because you just are. So I think if they if they like a quarterback that's not one of the top four, and all the thing we talked about with all the offensive tackles, and let's say three or four quarterbacks go, and then you've got two or three elite defensive players, this could be a great situation, and a Colts fan will hate to hear it, for trading back. <laughs> I, I saw a uh, posted today I, I, on uh, one of the mock drafts was uh, Pro Football Focus had it. And they had the Colts trading back with Dallas to 17. And then I think they ended up having taken uh, the defensive end from Iowa. I saw that one. Um, I actually looked it up because I saw it was in your article there. That was from – it was before the combine. It was like February 11th. Okay. So it was a little earlier. But I did see that. And actually that's something I've kind of just talked about with my buddies is, you know – Trevor Lawrence is in next year's draft, and then uh, the Ohio State quarterback, I'm blanking on his name right now, Fields, Justin Fields? Fields, yeah. Um, But Ballard might just go, you know what, if they really do want to give Brissett another year, which by everything they've said so far would make you think that's a realistic possibility. possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they just trade back some more, keep stockpiling draft picks, and, you know, if after this next year they have to make a decision on Brissett and he's not the guy... They just provide the ammunition to move up and get their guy next year. Hashtag trust the process. Right? <laughs> yeah. I, I've, I've almost, and I'll write, maybe I'll write about this in the next week, I've almost talked myself into the fact that they're not going to sign Brady, or certainly not Brady, but Rivers. I, 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 I'm almost convinced they're going to go with Brissett, a second-round quarterback, and then maybe a veteran Backup, sort of. I, I hate to throw Marcus Mariota's name out there or Andy Dalton, but that's the way they go. And you start the season with Brissett, and then move on from Hoyer. Oh, oh without question, <laughs> without kind question, of, kind of what the uh, the Titans did last year with bringing in Tannehill. Correct, is what you're saying as a Correct. backup, yeah. Because if you look, and we're sort of getting off course here, because I'm I'm good at getting off course, aren't we but, all? But, but that's if, how we fill 50 minutes every week. Yeah. If if you go if you go dramatic change. And you bring in Philip Rivers. Well, that means you're getting rid of Brissett. And you're going to get rid of Hoyer. And then you've still got to draft a quarterback in first second round. That means you're going to budget almost $40 million of cap space on quarterbacks. Because Rivers is going to cost you 25 I don't know, 25 And Brissett's going to cost you 12 and a half in dead money. And Hoyer's going to cost you $2 million in dead money, and then you've also got to sign a backup. Or, or a draft, the draft pick wouldn't cost you much but with a rookie wage scale. So you could have $40 million in the quarterback spot, and that is so counter to everything that Chris Ballard has done. It, it just is. What makes sense, and if, in, if, if he does what he's been doing, stick. and, and again, we can, I can find enough quotes to support those guys supporting Brissett. Now, you, I can also have some that says they're done with him. But I, I just sort of see that they stick with Brissett and bring in the young the, the young draft pick to be the guy in two years. Yet you, then, then you have to have a better backup than Hoyer. I, I'm sort of talking myself into that. That's the way they're going to go. I mean, based on everything that has happened in the past with Ballard running the franchise, that makes the most sense. I mean... Like you said, it'd be hard to see him spend all that money on Rivers for like one or two years, and then have to dump two years, set. sixty million. I mean, yeah, the, yeah, at least fifty. You know, so the, the Rivers thing just doesn't make a ton of sense to me, unless the Colts decide all of a sudden they got to win now, and I don't think they're necessarily in that position. Well, the argument is how much, how much better, how many more wins does does 
a 38-year-old? Rivers, 39, he's going to be 39, whatever it is. How many more wins does he give you as opposed to Brissett, the the five and two Brissett, the first half of the season Brissett? You know, and again, I always argue that I was talking with someone yesterday at lunch and they said, well, Brissett's terrible. I said, well, but, you know, he, he said they're further away from contending than Brissett. I said, no, I said, if, if, if Brissett played moderate last year in, in November, December, they're 10 and six. They mm-hmm. just are. You, yep. And you can argue holes everywhere and injuries. If Brissett is the first half of the season, if that's what he is in the second half, they're 10 and six. And maybe they win the division. They're probably wild card. So I just don't know. I, I think Rivers is an upgrade, would be an upgrade as long as he's, his arm's not dead and he doesn't bring his 20 interceptions with him. But how much better are you with Rivers and all of the things you'd have to do cap-wise as opposed to if Brissett is healthy and you haven't got all these injuries everywhere else, how much better are you with Rivers? And I keep going back and forth. I'm, I'm leaning on them thinking that Brissett is good enough to be the bridge to get you to the next guy. My off-the-beaten-path, but still, I think, at least half-reasonable idea is still that if Tom Brady and the Patriots move on, then Bill Belichick would be interested in getting Jacoby Brissett back since he started his career out there, and I know that Bill likes him. Um, so that would be a possibility to get some of uh, Jacoby Brissett's money off. I wonder, what Bill would, have, I wonder what Bill would give up for that. That's the thing. It, it depends on how much of probably the salary that he would be willing to, to eat with Jacoby as well. Um, because that came with the first that came with Philip with Dorsett. Philip, Philip Dorsett, yeah, which they needed desperately wide receiver help Correct. at the time, and the Colts desperately needed quarterback help at the time. So, um, but, anyway. but but Brady's going to the Frisco for that's right, Jimmy G. Exactly, it's, cra- it's just crazy. Yeah, maybe is. they'll trade Jimmy G back to Jeez New England. Sakes alive! <laughs> I was looking at it, and it, it depended on you know what date they got rid of him, but it would only be about four million in dead cap, which isn't for, for the Niners. Yeah. Yeah, if wow. they got rid of Jimmy G. So it wouldn't be, you know, unreasonable to think. You talk about high risk reward getting going with Brady and getting rid of Garoppolo, knowing Brady's only got another year or two. And Garoppolo still got his entire career yeah. there. So I mean that that could blow up in your face so bad. Well, what what about beside quarterback at the um at the combine, Joe? I mean, the Colts obviously have other... Talk, are you tired of talking quarterback? Yeah, and I, we're, we're, we've talked a lot about quarterback, <laughs> and we will talk more about quarterback over the coming weeks. I just want to leave some of the discussion That's for true. later we, right next now. Next week will be our free agency show, there so we'll go. have plenty of time to talk about that then. Yeah. Uh, like I said, wide receivers were terrific. Justin Jefferson really worked himself, cemented himself into the first he round. He needed a good 40, didn't he? And he, and he, and he came up with one. four four three. Uh, about six foot one, you know, was extremely productive last year. I think he had 18 touchdowns in the high flying LSU offense. So he's I think a half of those were in the national championship. Right? Yeah. 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 He had the four in that one yeah. game. Um, but yeah, he's a player who played in the slot this past year, the year before he played on the outside. So he's versatile. He, you know, when you compare him to the league, he kind of reminds you of Keenan Allen a little bit, very talented route runner who can go up and make the tough catches. Um, so I think, you know, Maybe not as quite as high as the Colts at 13, but if they did trade back to maybe 17 with Dallas or something like of that nature, Justin Jefferson is definitely an option who's more one of those guys who can produce right away because he is such a good route runner. Uh, another guy who you know was kind of floating around the third round talk and might be a first rounder now is Denzel Mims. I mean, he came in six foot three, 207. He's got almost 34 long, 34 inch arms. He's long. Um, he came in around a 4 3 8 40, 38 and a half inch vertical, 6 6 6 3 cone. Well, that's just, just satanic. Evil how good it is. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was an absolute freak. Um, he, he really was. He was productive this past year in college, over 1,000 yards, I think 12 touchdowns. Um, he's a guy that makes the acrobatic catches. He's got some developing to do as a route runner, like most college receivers do. But he's a guy who. A legitimate option for the Colts at maybe 34 or maybe even 44. There's so many good receivers. A um, couple others here. Donovan Peoples-Jones was kind of a mid-round pick type guy from Michigan just because he didn't have the production playing in Michigan's um, offense. But <laughs> well, um, we'll call it a offense, offense that Michigan yeah, run. They, you don't see me doing the air quotes right here, but it was an offense. They tried to they, score points. They, they, they attempted. <laughs> there was an attempt made, yes. But, I mean, when a guy who's six foot two, two twelve. Um, goes and runs a four four eight, 
a 44 and a half inch vertical and a 139 inch broad jump. That kind of athleticism makes the coaches go, okay, I can work with this guy. So he might have just worked himself into the second or third round. Um, and then Notre Dame's Chase Claypool, uh, he had himself a day as well. He he came in almost 10 pounds heavier than he did at the Senior Bowl, 6'4", 238. Um, he ran a 4'4", That's blazing fast for as big as he is. Yes, that, that's ridiculous. 40-inch vertical. It's not just fast long speed, but he showed the explosion. He's a guy who's been getting talk you know when he ran the 40 they're like well maybe we will keep him at receiver right but because of his size people have been talking about maybe moving him as one of those move tight ends like an Evan Ingram type player he's certainly a guy who the Colts in the mid rounds can maybe bring in and use to in that kind of Eric Ebron role one of those pass catching tight ends that you don't really ask him to play in line and block so much. The, the deal with wide receivers is just it seems like there's so many guys who could potentially make an impact mm-hmm. on your team and make a good impact on your team and make it very very soon so there are going to be options in the second round there are going to be options in the third round of wide receiver the question that of course the Colts free uh, the Colts front office and Chris Ballard and the offensive coaching staff need to ask themselves is if you're sitting there at 13 or 34 and there's a guy right there how much more valuable is he than the guy you could get in the later rounds. That's what it yeah. comes down to, it seems I mean, like, for me, if, if they take a wide receiver high in this draft. Compared to the other positions as well, like, okay, defensive tackle drops off after this guy, yep. whereas wide receiver, they're deep. Um, another tight end here, he's a top in-line guy, another Notre Dame guy, 6'6", 260, um, ran a 4'7 flat, which was pretty good compared to the rest of this group, especially a guy at his size. Um, showed some bursts in a 37-inch vertical. So he's really the top inline guy if the Colts choose to go that route. Cole Komet? Cole Komet, yes, out of Notre Dame. Um, Have you seen where, where uh, Claypool is where's he projected to go? I mean, third round, fourth round? Maybe third or second now after that workout. Before, he was kind of fourth or fifth type guy, and then after a workout like that, really makes teams. If you run 4-4-2 four, four, and you're as big as he is, that, that can open some eyes. And oh, yeah. especially, like, he was very productive at Notre Dame. I think the big question about him was his speed, and especially if he's adding weight right now to maybe be a tight end in the NFL, yeah, to be able to keep that speed, yeah, is, is remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. So he may go as high as the second round now. Moving to defense, Dave's guy, Alton Robinson. Out of Syracuse University. That's right. He, he was really had one of the best workouts for defense Finn 6'3", 264, uh, 4'6", 40, 35 and a half inch vertical, so showed the explosion. Had one of the better three cones of the players who participated, uh, 7'3", 2". Um, so he, he really showed the good athleticism there to maybe move up to the third round in this year's draft. Um, interior guy who, you know, really lit it up at the combine, Justin Matabuki, uh, six foot three. 293, uh, ran at 48340. Um, and then he had a nice three cone as well at 37 or three. I'm sorry, I'm a little dyslexic here. 737. I was about to say, if there it was a 37, that would be really impressive. That for a would three be cone. a crazy. <laughs> it should be a, it'd be a Marvel superhero called the Flash. Yeah, so those are some guys who really helped themselves at the combine, posted good numbers, and uh, at positions that the Colts might. You know, draft them. I'm telling you, man, those Syracuse defensive ends in the vein of Dwight Freeney. You get yourself an Alton, Alton Robinson. You get yourself a Kendall Coleman, Cathedral Pride, working out with Robert Mathis right now, trying to get ready for the draft. I mean, what more could you want, guys? I, I, I can't ask for more myself. I, I know. You'd be insufferable <laughs> if they go that route. I would love it. <laughs> so we'll prepare ourselves. I, I keep looking at this, and we, we so tend to overthink, and we will overthink because that's what we do. But I, I've, again, I, I've sort of talked myself into. First round defensive lineman, Kinlaw would be nice, and then a quarterback at thirty four, and then a wide receiver at forty four. I just sort of see it falling that way for him. Yeah, did you? I'm not sure if you guys saw my tweet. I tweeted. I had a dream about Javon Kinlaw this week. I tweeted it out. And I said uh, I had a dream about the Colts taking Kinlaw, not in a creepy way. Right. Another guy responds and goes, "Oh, I thought he had surgery and might fall to the second round." Then Kinlaw responds and goes, "You capping out." Which I had to look up what that meant. I don't know what that means. I, from my best guess and research on Urban Dictionary, it means like <laughs> lying or being untruthful. Okay. So 
you know, Kinlaw was on my side and now go. knows that I am dreaming about him. So. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to introduce you two once the Colts take him right. at 13 overall. You, you might have seen the quote, and I don't remember which defensive lineman it was, uh, or he, 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 it was the quote of the combine where he said he's allowed to beat up the guy. Marlon Davidson. Yes, where he said, I, I can abuse the guy across from me all day and the cops don't come. <laughs> yeah. Those are the guys you want to say, this is the guy we want. We at least want that mentality. Uh-huh. So uh, we want that quote is what we want in true. the locker room too. That's true. Uh, so I, I just I keep going back to when, when Ballard we at the combine we talked to him and he was talking. We were all receiver, receiver, quarterback, and he says, "Y'all obsess over wideout. I obsess over all O line and D line." And I again until he until he throws us that curveball. Uh, now he, he's not going to take an offensive lineman in round one. I. I just don't see that. But defensive line, I, I can see it. And the fact that the the wide receivers, as long as long as they don't think that one or two of these guys, Lamb or one of these guys, is just that much better. I think if he's got these five or six receivers clumped together, I hate to say that you can settle for one of them. But if you can get that better rated player uh defensive line or, or quarterback if one of these guys falls to him that you can live with a guy in round two again ty hilton was a three so, so you you can find quality players outside of round one who was the two that year was kobe fleener taken in the second round they were the two uh yes fleener and, 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 dwayne, and allen. dwayne allen right well they got luck they got a bunch of weapons for him and TY Hilton And that was the year you had Vic Ballard was a was a four. Oh yeah. Our Chris he, Hagan, our his favorite Vic right, Ballard. And he was a quality State. running back until until he got hurt so uh you can find you you you, you can't miss on your first round pick and they've done a pretty good job a real good job in the second round with a few guys yet to be TBD. T- yes. TBT but they've done a very good job of finding guys after that. Marlon Mack was a four. So and that's where like like with Joe, I don't devalue running backs quite like he does. But who does really? You can you, they hate to hear it, but you can find running backs, and, and that's why we talked two weeks ago before I took the week off. That that when Urshay came out and was so adamant that you know that that was a wrong report that we've talked with Marlon Mack about an extension. Uh, I, I don't know what really his purpose was for that, but. This may be a team that believes that you have a running back for four years and you move on. Now, I don't think they do that with Mac. I, th- I think they'll give him. I think there will be an extension at some point, but it will be at the Colts' price. I, I've tried to think about that too. Why would Jim Irsay come out and do that? And this is just me purely uh, speculating, so I'll throw that out off the top. But if if so, if this rumor got out there somehow, how did it get out? It didn't come from the Colts anywhere, I don't think, from, from the since, agent. since it didn't have it. Exactly. It comes from the agent. And if Ursay is ticked off at the agent for this getting out there, I can understand him going out right. and doing exactly what he did. So I don't think it has anything to do with uh, him being upset with Marlon or thinking that Marlon isn't a good back. He was probably that this is like, again, this is me speculating purely just by reading the tea leaves of what happened, just maybe he was upset at the agent for this. But then he took a step further and said, there. you know, we like our other two backs too. Right. Which Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins. Right. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, but they're, they're not Marla Mack. So, no. so let's draw a line there. But it was just strange that unsolicited, right in the middle of his opening statement, he came out, oh, by the way, that, that report was totally wrong. So we'll see. Joe, let's run down before we wrap things up uh, who the uh, mock drafts have the Colts taking at 13. You've put together a great list here, and there's a, certainly a bit of a pattern, or at least uh, three different. There, there, There's not an overwhelming consensus. I remember a couple of years ago when Ryan Kelly was the pick that like everybody, everybody that I saw had the Colts taking Ryan Kelly. In probably that first Quentin round. Nelson, too. Quite a I, bit of I them. think Quentin Nelson Quentin. was probably a. A consensus. A couple pick. people thought that maybe Brand, uh, the Chubb would fall one or right. two if there was another quarterback True. taken up there. I'd still but, love to know. Yeah, I'd exactly. love to know from Ballard. You're not. You're never going to. If, if Chubb and Nelson are both there, which do you take? You're I, never I, going I, to. Never gonna know. But we have we have quarterbacks, wide receivers, and defensive tackles in the first round. Joe, what what, what did you see from this uh, this uh, plethora of mock drafts uh, from uh, from your research. Well, six out of the twelve, I got twelve down here um, from various websites. But six out of the twelve were quarterback. Whether that's Jordan Love was the most popular. I think three um, people mocked him to the Colts. Uh, Justin Herbert had a couple, and then 
Jacob Eason was on one as well, which I really just do not see. At 13, taking Jacob Eason. If that happens, that would be a stone-cold that's, that's stunner. Blake Bortles. That's Blake yeah. Bortles going at eight or whatever it was. Right. Yeah. Or whatever that it was. I think third. he went fifth. I think, or third. Yeah, whatever. he was higher, yeah. Yeah, he was up there that year. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I mean, without trades, it, it kind of makes sense because – Without trades, you know, usually there is either a Herbert or a Love left over, and you know the Colts need a quarterback, and so it makes sense for these people doing the mock drafts. Um, Love and Kinlaw, both with three apiece, were the two most popular, Mm -hmm. and I think Kinlaw just makes a ton of sense if he's there and if the Colts don't have to go quarterback. I kind of agree with Mike because of the depth that receiver – Unless they just fall in love with a Jerry Judy or someone like that. I, I kind of think they would wait till the second round to address that. So a lot of quarterbacks, uh, a lot of Ken Law, um, and then a couple receivers on here as well. CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy are the top two guys. And, you know, I could see some people talking themselves into, well, if they you know, fall to the Colts, Colts need a receiver, they're supreme talent, so my, why not take the best guy in the class? And then in the second round, when everyone else is taking receivers, you get some other positions addressed. Don't be capping, though. That's right. Don't be capping yeah. out. And, and what's going to blow all this up is is you've already seen the smoke about people moving up, oh, and yeah. the fact that even Miami think needs to move up from five to get to it. I heard Washington might take them now at two. That, I think ruined. that's I think that's real smoke. Yeah, I really do because they would do what Arizona did, where they they just got Haskins. And then you're going to get Tua? So you get, are you getting rid of Haskins? Well, Tua, you know, you don't know exactly when he'll be ready to play. So mm-hmm. maybe keep Haskins until Tua's completely healthy. But Tua's supposed to be ready to th- work out and throw in April. At the combine. Uh, not at the combine. Sorry, at his, at his pro day. day. I think he's supposed to. So, day, yeah. but, but that's why I say if do, – do you see Ballard moving up to get a quarterback? I think if he's ever going to, it would be for a quarterback. If oh, there's no question. He's not, he's not going to move, move up to get unless it's like the fourth round for Willis or something. You know, no, no. I mean from 13. Yeah, because the the problem you're running into is somebody. There's I, I bet I bet there are two moves for teams moving up to get a quarterback. Whether it's Miami to move up higher to make sure they get him because if Miami stays at five, there's every chance that somebody moves to three to, yep. to beat him to it. Yep. So it, it's it's I, I don't see that, but that's why I say I really I really expect. Because Ballard talked about it. He said desperation will drive people up, meaning the quarterback's up. That's why I just don't know that they take a quarterback at 13 because I, I think the top four will be gone. Unless he, again, maybe he thinks, unlike you, that Fromm is is, is a quality guy or something. I don't know. But uh, if, if he's got these four quarterbacks that most people agree are the top four, I think they can be all gone by 10 or 11. Well, even before the NFL draft comes, NFL free agency with the uh, start of the new league year comes in mid-March. So everything that happens in the draft will come kind of as an offshoot of that. And depending on which players the Colts are interested in, which ones they bring in could certainly shape how they decide to go at the top or the middle or the late rounds of the draft. And we will dive headfirst into our free agency discussion next week. But that'll wrap up this edition of the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. I am at Dave G underscore sports. Mike is at mchapel 51 Joe is at Roto Street Joe. Please subscribe. Get this delivered to your podcast listening device week after week whenever it drops. And once again, we thank you for listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast.